0: Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that gives you a window into the personal partnership adventures of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. Let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm excited to bring you today's featured guest, Ken Page. Ken, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here, Ken. Thank you. Ken is a renowned psychotherapist and the author of the best-selling book, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. He's also a popular blogger for Psychology Today and the Huffington Post. He brings a research-backed message of hope to the people that are seeking that deeper love and intimacy in their lives. Ken, take a minute to fill in any blanks from that intro and, and give us a glimpse into your personal life, if you would.
1: Oh, sure, sure. Um, I think that intro captures a lot, but what it doesn't capture is how the work that I do and the things that I teach come so much out of my experience of asking myself, what am I doing wrong, as well as what am I learning, because I was what I called chronically single for most of my adult life and uh, it's not that I didn't want a partner I was never ever one of these people who said I'm just fine on my own I I knew I wasn't fine on my own I knew that I wanted a relationship really badly and God knows I tried And God knows I tried in ways that didn't work. And did that over a period of decades uh, until kind of it became too difficult to do that anymore. And I began kind of climbing upwards instead and changing my patterns and changing my habits and learning from wise people. But I think that the most important thing to note about me is how many decades I spent in looking for love and not finding it, and in all honesty, to this day, in my wonderful relationship of seven years, uh, the humbling experience of realizing that that this never finishes, and uh, in fact, I often say, the only person who doesn't have fear of intimacy is someone who stopped breathing, <laughs> because. <laughs> because you know intimacy is a, is it, love is the greatest gift in our lives it's the most treasured valued thing in our lives and hence it's the thing we get most afraid around as well so i guess that's the most important piece that i want to share is that this journey has been and continues to be so deeply about the things i have to learn about love but that's what saved my life is admitting that i've had those things to learn and learning them and embracing my learnings with a full heart
0: thank you you know I, it's funny because that idea of you know the only people who don't fear intimacy are those who aren't breathing could very easily be a a quote that keeps you on track, right? Yes, yes. And that's actually one of the things I like to start with because I'm a huge fan of of quotes that inspire me. And I'm just wondering, do you have a quote or a mantra that, that really inspires you that
1: our listeners could apply to their lives in partnership? Ah, let me think about that for a moment. I don't know if I have a quote or a mantra, but I do believe I have an insight. Great. Yeah, and the insight is this that it's it's for me par- partly because i'm an introvert it's in those quiet moments usually that i'm alone that i have this experience of insight about what i'm how i'm not honoring love or how i'm missing a beautiful moment um or how much i treasure my partner my son my friends uh My parents, my loved ones, it's in those kind of quiet moments where I'm not in the heat of interaction with the world that something opens up in my heart and and wisdom kind of pours in. And that wisdom is almost always about what treasures my closest relationships are to me. So I know that's not a mantra or a quote. If I can, if in the course of our interview I can reduce that down, I'll do my best to do that. But, but for now, I think that that's my guiding insight. It's that, uh when I have those aha moments, that I listen to them.
0: You you actually made me think that you know the mantra could simply be embrace the quiet.
1: Mm, that's a very good one. And then That's a very good wherever one. that takes you, you know listen to it. That's the real challenge, right?
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
1: Or another one that comes out of that that mm-hmm. I've actually written about a bunch, and this is one I adore, is is to follow your guiding insights. Mm-hmm. And guiding insights have are, are at the heart of this entire journey for me. A guiding insight is exactly kind of like I described. It's like, and, and Ken, I'm sure that you've experienced these guiding insights at really important times in your life. It's when... There you are, and for some reason, something hits you with a bang and touches you so profoundly and gives you a sense of what you need to do next or what's most important. I'm sure you've had experiences like that. Am I right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know you know, the Sufis, one of their names of God is the spirit of guidance. And when we get those messages of guiding insights, they're the ones that change our lives. And to listen to our guiding insights puts us on a path toward love. And to ignore our guiding insights puts us on a path toward pain. Hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the heart of the whole intimacy journey. For everyone who's listening, think back on what your guiding insights have been about love, because those are your steering wheel. That's your map. That's your GPS. Those are your wisdom. And on a day-to-day basis, you can ask yourself if you're if you're following those key guiding insights. And if you're not, then you know exactly how to kind of retool your journey. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Ken, one of the things that our listeners love about this show is the stories that our guests share. So let's Mm -hmm. dive into one now. And what I'd like you to do is take us to a time in your life when you kind of, well, you kind of tripped up in a partnership. And just give us that story. What were you doing? How did you
1: trip up? And then we can expand on what you learned and how it's helped you move forward. I think I'm going to tell two stories. Okay. uh and one story is from my dating life when I was dating lots of people, and one story is from a relationship that I was in uh It was a very difficult period, and my partner said something very wise to me but let me just say um right up front that that uh, I, as you will find out in moments, I'm a gay man, and uh the lessons you know the lessons of love are universal, but I do think that uh that the ways that I've learned them uh, and kind of some of the things that they represent actually hold great, great keys for people who are heterosexual because our entire relationship to gender is changing rapidly in this world. And it's changing um What makes a successful relationship, and it's changing what we can do to deepen the intimacy in our lives. So on a million different levels, uh, the discourse between gay, straight, bisexual is is a discourse that's going to enrich everybody.
0: I couldn't agree Um, more.
1: Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'll get to share a little bit more about that for... um, mostly for the heterosexual audience about kind of like some takeaways around that. But um, starting with this story, one part of the story is that I was dating somebody who I felt was kind of obtuse. I felt that he was not kind of seeing my emotional needs and not meeting them. And I thought, well, this really isn't going to work. I need to end it. I need to be respectful of myself. And my best friend at the time talked to me about this guy that I was dating. And he said, you know, I see him as someone who really wants to be a good guy and a good partner, but I don't think he has the tools that you are expecting him to have. So try really asking him for what you want. And I think he's going to be okay about giving it to you. Now, first of all, that was really embarrassing to me because you know at that Uh, point in my life, the thought of having to ask someone or instruct someone in meeting my needs felt really embarrassing and really awkward and really annoying. If I have to tell him, if he doesn't know, if he Mm -hmm. doesn't get it. But the words that my friend said melted my heart. And I got it. And I talked to him and explained to him what I want and he wholeheartedly tried and I learned a lesson that changed my whole dating life I just couldn't assume that my partner was as obtuse as I was imagining if I never asked him for what I needed or explained to him my kind of unique inner language hmm that was a big lesson that changed things for me because in the old days before I could ask I would just get annoyed Because this is an amazing thing, is when we have a need and we're in a relationship and we don't ask for our need to be met because we think our partner should understand it, neurologically and cognitively, we don't interpret that as my partner doesn't know, so it's iffy whether he or she will give it to me. The way we interpret it in our brains is they don't want to give it to me and they're rejecting me. Yes, It's an amazing thing. So uh, that 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 changed my my dating life in a wonderful way. It made me a lot more a lot more humble. Hmm. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to share another story too. Okay. Uh yeah. This is I was in uh, a relationship with someone, and it was a very difficult period. And we were kind of um, arguing and fighting a lot. And at one point, I said to him, "I said because his feelings seemed to have really changed." And I said to him, "I just want to know, do do you still love me?" And he, I'll never forget what he said to me, he said, when the moon is in an eclipse, you don't see it, but it doesn't mean the moon isn't there. And I just thought, wow, is that beautiful. And that was a huge lesson to me too, because my moon has been in in eclipse many times in my life. And all of us know that the feelings of love can go underground, but that does not mean by any means that the love is still not there. And we need to trust when our love goes underground that it hasn't stopped existing.
0: That's a great story. I love that. Mm -hmm. Really, really poignant.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's switch gears a little bit, Ken. Sure. What I'd like to do is if you would tell us a story of a time when when you had what I call a duh moment. You know, one of those times where you're just like, man, how have I been such a knucklehead? How did I ever miss this?
1: I've got a good one. <laughs> Excellent. But I actually, in the moment, did not feel duh. I felt wow. Okay. I mean, in retrospect, it could have been a big duh. But to me, it was such an insight that it felt, it felt very, very wow. Great. And um, here's what it was. And it's kind of a mystical thing. Uh, I was in my mid-20s and endlessly single and endlessly looking and I went on a camping trip with my family I have a very amazing family and uh, I went with my dad my mom my sister me and a mule and uh, we were in Wyoming and one night it was just the most we slept next to a beautiful blue glacial lake in the Wind River Mountains uh, in Wyoming and we slept under the stars and something happened for each one of us that night where we woke up in the morning and we each looked at each other and said, oh my God, I had an amazing dream. And each one of us had a dream that told us where we were misguided in our lives in the most profound ways. These were amazing vision dreams. And each one of us had that that night. And this was my dream. My dream was... Uh, what it led me to see was the, the kind of blueprint of my whole dating history. Here's what it was. I was dating people who I was not spiritually inspired by again and again and again because I was sexually attracted to them. I was sexually attracted and maybe they were nice people, but I was not inspired in my soul. I was not touched in my soul. I didn't have a respect for them that went bone deep and inspired me, but I was attracted to them. And again and again, I would end up distancing myself and rejecting them, or maybe they would reject me, but it wouldn't matter because really it was me rejecting them because I knew that my soul was not being fed in this relationship. And that was the story of Decades of dating failure. I looked for sexual attraction and I did not understand that looking for inspiration and safety was, well, they're both essential, but was equally, if not more, important. And that dream was the beginning of my history changing because I realized that I couldn't, that sexual attraction wasn't enough and that if I didn't have that deep sense of respect and rightness no matter what it was going to go nowhere and that led to you know as years went on my understanding of this concept that we each have two circuitries of deprivation if you break it down one of the circuitries is what i call an attraction of deprivation and all of us can can uh activate that circuitry and that's when we are with someone who almost meets our needs who we almost respect, who we almost feel inspired by, who almost treats us right. And we feel like it's got to be something wrong with us, that they're not really becoming, that they're not really treating us the way that we want or becoming available. And that attraction is killer. It, it touches the deepest roots of our being. Um, And it's very sexy and it's very hot to have someone who's almost available and try to win them over. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's another entire circuitry of attraction that is literally the path to happiness. And that's what I call an attraction of inspiration. And that's where we look for primarily, of course we want to be attracted to our partner, but apart from that we look primarily for someone who inspires us by the man or the woman that they are in the world and with us. And when we make that shift and say that's all I'm gonna be looking for our dating life transforms in a way that I think is close to a miracle
0: that is so cool (laughs)
1: hmm
0: yeah I I've heard it said many different ways um, but not as articulately as you just did and your story behind what led to that that uh, you know Wow Duh moment whatever you want to call it is So cool. So thank Uh, you, thank you for sharing that.
1: Thank you, and I, I, I'm really enjoying the questions you're asking. I don't think I've ever been asked before. (laughs) (laughs) Great, excellent. Yeah.
0: Well, let's try another one then, and see if we can keep on the good path here. Sure. So we're going to shift again a little bit, and what I want to ask you to do, Ken, is share with us a story of one of your proudest partnership moments. And what I'm looking for is what's a partnership moment that it just makes you smile every time you think about it.
1: Well, this is the story of how I met my partner, and um, I guess I guess the moment in itself is uh, I guess less important than what led to the moment, but the moment or series of moments were were wonderful. So anyway, uh, I. Along the way in my journey, which I come, I've come to understand as not just a dirt journey to find a partner, but an intimacy journey, not a dating journey, but an intimacy journey. And along the way, I felt called to become a father, and that was a powerful and profound experience that I've written about and is filled with a richness that I can't even begin to touch. Um, but I did this as a single man. I uh, adopted my son as an eight-year-old infant from Cambodia. And that was when really the beauty of my life in a certain way began. And it's the love that filled my heart through my becoming a father that led me to create deeper dating, led me to write, led me to write my book. And ultimately led me to my partner because love leads to love. And that's just the bottom line. But um, at a certain point, my two people who are very close to me uh, kind of buttonholed me and in the most kind of almost severe way said to me, Ken, you need to go to the Provincetown Gay Family Week how have you not gone? How have you not gone to this when you're looking for another dad um, to partner with or someone who loves kids? And I said, well, it's mostly couples and I feel kind of shy and I feel kind of awkward. And these two people who are very dear to me and very gentle spirits both kind of literally cornered me and said, you're going. And um, I went. That was where I met my partner and uh he was a dad too and he was there with his two daughters and um there was a quality of goodness about him that was so wonderful and i liked him immediately and tried to connect with him and uh it didn't work he was very very busy with his daughters and otherwise focused um and so i kind of let it go and uh that night it was in the middle of the week I guess I had kind of let it go that day or the day before. I was awakened at about three in the morning with a kind of spiritual message. It really felt that way. And the message was, Ken, if you don't do something about this, you're going to lose that opportunity. So I listened. It was a guiding insight. It woke me up in the middle of the night and I listened. So the next morning I said to my son, I said, all right, David, you know, he was very young. He didn't know what was up, you know, with any of this. But, <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, all right, so, you know, you're going to go to camp today, and, um, but we're going to stop and we're going to get bagels and coffee and we're just going to go sit on the steps. Because I knew that Greg was going to be um, walking up those steps with his daughters. And I knew that I was going to listen to this message. So I had to kind of construct something mm-hmm. where I could be there when he arrived. And I did. And he was there. And uh, it still didn't work. He still (laughs) blew me off because he was like really highly focused on his daughters. But then the next day he called me up and he said, hey, let's go to the beach. And uh, we went to the beach together and it felt meant to be. And what also felt different was um, there had been so many men that I had met before that I felt a sense of ambivalence with. And in my heart, I knew that I had finally found someone with a quality of goodness so strong and so solid that I could marry him, that I could build a life with him. And uh, I remember him saying to me, you know, so you're 52 and you've never been in a long-term relationship. Why is that? And I said to him, and I guess it sounds a little corny, and in some ways was corny, but I did say to him, I said, because I had never met you before. And uh, it felt true. And, but what that meant was, on a bigger level, that I had finally evolved to the point where I could choose somebody with those qualities of goodness and solidity that I had been looking for my whole life, but fleeing my whole life as well. And that was the beginning for us.
0: That is a fantastic story (laughs) thanks i so appreciate you saying you know yes it's corny and it, it sounds like you know it came off a hallmark card or something but the reality is you had to meet you so you could meet him
1: you said it you said
0: it, and you described it it so well Of oh you finally owned you wanted to be a dad and you did the adoption and so on and so forth and and you had to get past all the the insecurities and the I don't feel awkward and whatever and then you just like I love what you said love leads to love the fact that you you were really embracing who you were and loving who you were it led you to the next step of being able to step out there further and look for that partner and obviously you had to be a bit persistent uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> you followed yes, it right so well. and mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. what gets you where you want to go
1: thank Can you for I, that I would just yeah like, yes i just want to say something that mm-hmm. kind of um is inspired by what you just said because you said you have to meet you um and i think that that there's such truth in that and and uh this is kind of the heart of what i teach in my book deeper dating and what i teach my clients and what i've learned is that the places where we feel the most insecure lead to our greatest touch touch upon our greatest gifts the qualities that i call our core gifts and those are the places where we are the most sensitive to joy and to pain and they're usually the places where we feel like um, most insecure, but there are holy places. There are magic places. There are places of genius that we've never learned how to help them grow up and feel honored and feel like there's a place for them in the world. And as we name those core gifts, the places where we're the most sensitive, and we stop telling ourselves, "You need to stop being so sensitive," or "You need to push that down." But we get we become artists behind our core gifts and our. Experience expression of them in the world. When we do that, one thing that happens that's absolutely amazing is we start meeting different people. We start dating different people. We st- I don't know how it happens, but the people you meet in the street, the people you meet at the parties, the people you meet online change. And um, that is the key to it, and it's the key of, of meeting the parts of yourself that may be deep inside you treasured, but you were also embarrassed by, and being able to embrace those and treasure those and see the, the magnificence in them that changes our entire story. The parts we think we need to hide to find love are the very parts that will lead us almost like a bullet train to the love we're seeking.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Well, Ken, we've actually arrived at what I call the bring it all home portion of the show. And this is where we actually step away from stories. Yes. And we provide some quick, simple, concrete guidance for our listeners so they can improve their partnerships right now. And the place oh, just- I'd like to start is, what do you feel was the best
1: partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received? Oh, I've got that one. I've got that one. Um uh a friend of mine Connor Connor Middleman Whitney who's an author who writes about uh the Mediterranean diet uh told me about an experience she had in her wedding. She had a Quaker wedding and in that wedding uh an elderly woman stood up, you know, was moved to speak as they do in Quaker meetings and said when I got married, someone gave me a piece of advice and it's this piece of advice that has held my marriage together for all these decades. And I want to share this world-changing piece of advice with each one of your listeners. It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. This is the question that she was taught to ask herself. What is love asking of me right now? And every time we ask that question and act on our answer, we create magic in our lives. We create a path toward a happier, more wonderful life. And so the simplest thing that you can do in your relationship and in your life at any given moment, and God knows it's hardest in the middle of a fight or a (laughs) conflict, (laughs) but But the question, that question, what is love asking of me right now? Try that on. I don't think I could offer a sweeter or more wonderful tool than that one. I love it. Thank you. Yes, yes.
0: Let's say our our guests are enamored like I am with everything you're sharing, and they're looking to find something from you that, that would actually you know help them have a better day right away? Is there something on your website, a resource you can send them to that will just kind of open things up for them?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. What I would encourage you to do is to go to deeperdating.com. And uh, you can learn more about my book there. But also, you can join my mailing list. And when you join my mailing list, you will get a number of things. You'll get you'll get an ebook that teaches kind of the four key lessons of transformation of your dating life and also you'll get a series of audio micro meditations two to three minute micro meditations that are are very rich and very life-changing and I I believe that exercise that I just gave you is one of those micro meditations so go to deeperdating.com and join my mailing list and you'll be getting a stream of information including information about my uh, upcoming courses and interviews etc
0: fantastic thank you thank you yeah and I know your book, Deeper Dating, is an amazing resource for folks. And what I'd love to do is have you provide what's a book or a resource that you would recommend to our listeners. And wh- why is that something you think is so vital?
1: Oh, you know, I do I do have a book that I would recommend. And I feel that these two books, my book and um, Catherine Woodward Thomas's book, are an exquisite pair. Uh, her book is called Calling in the One. And, uh... It's it's a book that teaches the kind of spiritual lessons of finding partnership, and uh, I think there's just the most magical twinship between our work, and um, her work is, is beautiful and powerful. And when I was um, going to publishers, and they were asking, with my book, and they were asking me, which is the book that you feel is the most aligned with your work? It was Catherine's, Calling in the One.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, that's a fabulous book. It is. Yeah. This is our last question of the, of the program, and what I'd like to know, what parting advice do you have for
1: our listeners, and how can they
0: immediately put this into action in their partnerships?
1: Here's how. Here's how. I'd like to, you know, in my book, I teach a step-by-step process for discovering and naming your core gifts. But there's a simple introductory exercise that will also help you do that. And it's one that you can do on your own that is it's pretty, it's pretty illuminating. Here's what it is. Take the next two days, get a journal, take the next two days and notice what things in your interactions with the people who matter to you, what things in your interactions fill your heart and note down what those moments are that your heart feels filled what it is about those moments and also the moments where you feel that your heart is hurt in interactions and note those moments and write them down and when you do that for two days it's gonna be like a whole bunch of series of dots on a piece of paper and you take your pencil and you connect all the dots and a picture emerges. And what you're gonna see is you're gonna see patterns of the things that hurt you the most and that inspire you the most. Those are the places of your core gifts. The places where life can hurt you the most and inspire you most are the pieces of genius, the pieces of God, the pieces of your deepest intimacy language. And the more you learn to honor what hurts you and either stay away from it or make changes around it, and what inspires you, and get as much of that as you can, the more your life will become rich and joyous.
0: Excellent. Well, clearly, Ken, you have so much to share. Would you do me a favor? Would
1: you would you let our listeners know once again how they can contact you and learn more about what you do? Oh, thanks so much. Yes, you can just go to deeperdating.com, or you could just go to amazon.com and buy the book, Deeper Dating great very simple
0: yes nice can your stories your insights they've been off the charts i mean it, I, I have <laughs> learned so much from our conversation today. Oh, i know our you. listeners have too as i uh, have from your work Ken. well thank you thank yes. you i just want to thank you for being on the
1: show today thanks so much i really enjoyed it you're super welcome
0: thank you for listening to speaking of partnership Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking A Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web.